this happened really fast for me. And I was scrubbing toilets five days a week in March of 2020 that I don't forget how hard it is like reality. You know, I don't feel like this is really reality right now. (laughs) Welcome to Creative Elements, a show where we talk to your favorite creators and learn what it takes to make a living from your art and creativity. I'm your host, Jay Klaus. Let's start the show. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of Creative Elements. I wanted to start this episode with a quick shout out to UK Runs 19, who left a review on Apple Podcasts that absolutely made my day. And it reads, this podcast has accompanied me through COVID on my weekly 10K run. As my pace increased, I'd run further so I could listen each episode out. Creative Elements feels like going on a road trip where every 50 to 60 minutes you stop to pick up a different hitchhiker, each sharing their story in their own unique way. Jay has a vision for where we're headed, so there's a clear forward momentum, but he's deeply curious about every well-curated guest and the detours they might take us on. And the detours are great. You don't have to be creative in the traditional sense to get a lot out of this podcast. Lace up your shoes and take it for a ride. You won't be disappointed, perhaps frustrated because wanting to stop every two minutes to capture something will seriously impact your average pace. Reviews like this mean so much to me and really re-energize me to keep making better and better episodes. So thank you, UK Runs 19 And if you have nice things to say as well, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love to hear what you think about this show. Personally, I miss going for long runs outside. I really, really hate treadmills, but living in Ohio, it's been too cold and snowy to go out running for a long time. And I'm starting to feel a little bit cooped up. My fiance Mallory and I have been really cautious about lockdown for the past 12 months now, And in the beginning, we were really, really cautious. We moved to having things almost exclusively delivered. Mallory built systems for us to disinfect our groceries and keep the house clean. Mallory actually loves to clean. She finds it calming and almost meditative. In fact, in the beginning of quarantine, Mallory got even more into cleaning and picked up a ton of new methods for cleaning different parts of the house. And she loves talking about cleaning too. I think it's really cute. One night, we had an outdoor bonfire with our close friends, and I caught her in action. I use Barkeep's Friend, or I use Water Bleach and Tide. Literally, I love cleaning vinegar. a teaspoon of Tide. Yeah, a but teaspoon. you can only do that when I'm not home. A teaspoon of Tide into a gallon of hot water and a third cup of bleach. You make a huge batch, a huge batch of cleaner. I use it on everything. And then again, a little bit later. No, but here's what you do instead of wiping them down. Get a horsehair brush attachment for your vacuum. I just got one, and I did all of our baseboards in maybe 10 minutes. Well, not to spill her secrets, but Mallory learned a ton of this stuff, including that water, bleach, and tide mixture from Go Clean Co. Well, it's an Instagram page, and then they made it into a Facebook group so people could talk about it on there, but this Instagram page blew up in a matter of three months and now they're like everyone's like what else do i do i guess yes go find them on instagram and then just like watch their highlights you'll find a way to clean literally everything go clean co is a cleaning company in calgary alberta canada run by today's guest sarah McAllister. sarah's team physically goes into homes in the calgary area and cleans them and they've been doing that since late 2018 Now, you may be wondering why Mallory began following the Instagram account of a cleaning company nearly 2,000 miles away from us. 
Well, the thing is, Mallory isn't the only person following this cleaning company. As of this recording, GoCleanCo has 1.7 million followers on Instagram alone. That's more people than the entire population of Calgary. She calls her followers the cleaning army, and their community is very enthusiastic. So when Mallory told me about GoCleanCo, I got really interested in having Sarah on the show. But before there was GoCleanCo, there was GoDogCo, Sarah's first successful service business in Calgary, where she built a team to walk people's dogs. And it was that dog walking business that introduced her to a completely new opportunity. With the dogs, what happens is you get really involved in your clients, you know, day-to-day life because you become part of their family. You know, you walk their dog every single day for five to 10 years. We were really a part of their lives. And so they trusted us and asked me a lot of the time for cleaning referrals. Like, hey, do you have a good housekeeper? I just can't find someone that I can keep on or someone that's reliable or... And so after um, referring it out a lot, I just thought, like, I, I love to clean. Why don't I go do this? And I'm always happy to do any type of a job in the business. And I was there scrubbing toilets day one. It feels weird to say scrubbing toilets is Sarah's specialty, but it kind of is. The Go Clean Co. Instagram account is fascinating for a lot of reasons. Sarah mostly utilizes stories, rarely posting photos on her grid. And until the very end of 2020, Sarah herself was a total mystery. You heard her voice in nearly every video, but they were all shot in first person as she cleaned things like washing machines, baseboards, kitchens, and of course, toilets. People responded to Sarah's very honest personality, and they tune in from all over the world to see Sarah pour her dirty mop water into toilets and to hear how she got things so clean. Spoiler, water, bleach, and tide. Cleaning is horrifying and a little bit fun. So if we can kind of change the narrative and look at it like, make fun of myself like oh my god I'm this is so gross but it's also like look how great it feels to get it done at the end of the day I identified with people with that and also put some humor into it and it worked really really well so in this episode we talk about Sarah's scrappy beginnings how hard it was to even pay herself in the early days accidentally selling out products on Amazon and Sarah's best advice for growing a following on Instagram Oh, and in case you're wondering, Mallory did consent to letting me use that audio, but she wasn't super happy about it. This is good content, babe. Babe! (laughs) I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at jklaus. You can find Sarah on Instagram at gocleanco. Tag me, let me know you're listening. And if you're not already in our listeners community on Facebook, I'd love for you to join us. But now, let's talk to Sarah. We live in Calgary, which is a like boom and bust town where it's all oil and gas. So I think it was 2005. I was, you know, deciding what I was going to do with my life. I was pretty young and deciding if I was wanted to go to school to be a nurse or, you know, I had all these grand ideas. And every day I went to the dog park and walked my yellow lab named Lucy. And I eventually made some friends when I was there. And people said, like, do you do this for a living? Because you're here all the time, three hours a day all the time. I just loved it. Like Calgary is so beautiful. We have a beautiful river valley. It's just the mountains are close. I spent a lot of time there. And eventually someone was like, could you walk my dog? Because I'm busy at work. And then it kind of became an idea. And you know, I told my mom and she was like, no, go to 
school. <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, I'm going to try this and see how it works. And at the time I was working at a bar and I was a waitress and I loved being, I love, I always say this, like I loved being a waitress. And so I said, I'm going to, you know, start the dog walking company. I'll work at the bar at night and see how it goes. And like six weeks later, I quit the bar job and I was running a full-blown dog walking business. It was just, we were in this cycle in Calgary where everyone had a lot of money and no, no time. And our footprint is really, really spread out. So, you know, a lot of people commute 45 minutes to work. So that add that on both ways, your dogs are home for a long time by themselves. So just found a little gap in the market. I was one of the first ones who did it in the city. And then that grew and grew and grew. I, I think at the end of it, I had, uh, you know, four full-time staff members and part-time people here and there. And I grew over the years and I thought it was really, really big. Like it was a huge deal to me at that time, but that was long before Go Clean Co came into the picture. So that's where it started. And that's where I got a taste to be an entrepreneur. And to this day, like if you ever ask me, I'm going to work for somebody, would I ever work for someone else? And the answer is no. So that's where I got the taste. So at this point, when you when you said, okay, I like this idea and I think I can charge money to be a dog walker, were you looking for something to seek your teeth into as an entrepreneur or was that just something that just kind of came as a result of wanting to walk other people's dogs? Oh, no, I love money. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of a funny spin on I love being outside. I'm a big believer in do what you love, like, and, you know, the money will come afterwards. It doesn't mean that you don't work a day in your life because you still work. And, you know, even if you're really passionate about something, it still gets frustrating and you still have down days. So, no, I wanted a, a job where I was active and I could be out and I could be having fun. I loved dogs. I still do love dogs. And, you know, I was able to identify that people needed that. And, I like finding things like a little bit earlier than the ahead of the curve, like thinking of things ahead of time. And I like being someone who identifies that and then figuring out how to kind of make it into money. So yeah. And then it was funny to me that people were paying me to walk their dogs. <laughs> so how did, how did go dog co become go clean co or how did you decide, you know what, I think I'm going to open a second business now around cleaning. In between Go Dog Co. and Go Clean Co., there were uh, multiple business ventures. Uh, and oh, tell me about that. Oh, just like little tiny ones. Like I thought I was going to be a florist at one point, like out of my basement. And my partner owns a woodworking company, and that's done really, really well. He's like an artist, and I've helped with that. And then, oh, I wanted to start open up a secondhand store. I'm not a big brick and mortar person. I don't like like that big of a commitment, but I wanted to open up a secondhand kids' clothing store when my I had a business plan for that. I thought about opening I had a business plan for opening a massage studio like two years ago and I'm not a massage therapist by any means but we knew that was hot but you know 2020 thank goodness we didn't we say this we text all the time thank goodness we didn't open that that would have been really bad you know but yeah so I kind of have the dog walking company I had a, a, my daughter eight years ago so I kind of had to step back from actually walking dogs for a couple of years while you know you stay at home and take care and so I really took on to a little bit more of the helm of like owning the business and running it from the back end as opposed to being out there every day. I am a very operational entrepreneur. I like to know what everybody's without micromanaging. I'm not a micromanager, but I do like to know what every job entails. And I like to have, have been able to say I've done that. 
Does the dog walking company still exist today? No, actually, when in March of 2020, when the pandemic hit and Go Clean Co exploded, I kind of had that to make that decision based on, you know, which which path do I want to go down? Looking, it was very, very hard for me because that was a big security blanket to hold. Like I've been doing the dogs for 15 years. You know, I knew everybody. I did all of that, but it was a business decision. And I chose, we were closed for a couple months and then all my staff was contract. So I was able to just say, you guys can continue on. I'm going to step back and you guys do what you want to do. And, you know, I believe in karma. Let's see how this rolls out. And everybody's happy. It was a great deal. And I just wanted to be able to take every opportunity that was coming my way with Go Clean Co seriously and not be spread thin, which is one of my MOs. <laughs> before the pandemic and before things really blew up on the Go Clean Co side, were you and you were, you were ideating some of these other businesses? Was your idea that you were going to have kind of a portfolio of multiple businesses or were you trying to parlay into something new to put full-time effort into outside of the dog walking company? The dog walking company ended up being a pretty good residual income. You know, like I did a certain amount of work, a certain amount of hours a week, and then I would have a little bit more free time. So I was really drawn to that model where like set, build it from the ground up and then eventually step back. So I, and I, you know, everybody here is multiple um, streams of income is the way to go forward. And I'm always intrigued with something, with trying something new. I'm not very scared. I'm not very leery of failure. Like I don't, I'm like, whatever, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I tried. That's, and that's kind of how I, I am with everything, at least give it an honest go and see what happens. Cleaning company isn't the most glamorous thing to own, but I do did know that their profit margins were pretty good. And, you know, if you can get into the commercial side of things, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, that's not how it went. Uh, that was the original plan when we opened. But yeah, so the plan has always been just to be an entrepreneur and like own a bunch of companies and have my, you know, what's the word for it? You know, you have all your pots going. Yeah, what is yeah streams. <laughs> streams of income. Yeah. Or like, you know, sticks in the fire. I like to do that. And I like to be, I really like talking to smart people and entrepreneurs and seeing what they're up to and what their plans are and being parts of things that feel interesting and exciting. Well, one last question on the dog walking front, because I think this is fascinating and it's probably part of your story that's underplayed a little bit, given that it was a 15 year experience. You know, I hear you say that you've always been interested in being an entrepreneur and, and earning, earning an income and building multiple streams. But I'm guessing that a huge part of that dog walking company was sales and selling people on your ability to be the person to do this. Talk to me a little bit about how you approach sales and, and if that's been interesting to you or something that you've had to force yourself to, to learn and do. In the beginning, it was just a huge influx because I was kind of the new person on the block. Like it was a new concept and idea, right? 15 years ago, there was like four of us that were doing it. We all had bound together kind of as different companies because we couldn't cover so much area. So I'd be like, oh, go to Kevin. He's in the South. And so it was nice to work with other businesses. And it was a really great lesson to learn right at the very beginning about like your fellow competitor isn't your competitor, like friend up with them because they're going, if what they can't do, they will possibly send to you. And that was the best lesson to learn as an entrepreneur, because I never think of anybody at this point of like, oh, they're our biggest competition. It's like, no, what can we learn from them? And they can send us business. The, the thing, they don't do what we do. We all have our strengths. So that wasn't hard to really pitch it from that point of view. And then as the years went on, it got harder to sell with Go.co because honestly, people became a little bit more 
particular is the word I would like to say about who was caring for their pets. And not saying that people were wishy-washy about it at the beginning, but in the last 15 years, the pet industry has gone into a billion dollar industry. And also like people are choosing not to have children and these pets are everything to them. So, mm. you know, like there was points where I'd be going to a third interview in order to, for a dog walker to go and walk this dog. It was like, wow. oh my God, right? You know, so, it, but you had to move and kind of change with it and re really tighten up your policies, you know, and like I had to be really tight on, like there's kind of a movement of not vaccinating your dogs, but then there's a huge group of people who are like, I do not want my dog around anybody, other dogs that aren't vaccinated. Like you had, to, those were the things that sort of uh, started selling us. And then also just being able to be reliable. I had the bigger my staff got, the less days we missed. Cause when you're an independent one person company, if you can't go to work cause your kid's sick, that's that, you know, whereas we were able to kind of fill the gaps if someone needed some time off, I would go and work for, you know, if someone went on holidays for two weeks in the summer, I worked that whole time and that stood us apart. But honestly, I'm pretty good at going and meeting people and saying, Hey, like this is us. And I go with my gut. Sometimes clients aren't always the best fit for us and then uh, vice versa. You know, if I, and we had a policy at the beginning where I say it in every, I said it in every meeting, you know, you have a two week commit, like you sign on with us and you can end it at any time. But if at any point in the two weeks, you don't like us and we don't like you, like no hard feelings. Cause we, you work really close with each other. So it's kind of like you're in your head, they're in your house when you're not there, you have to trust them. They're taking your baby out of the house. Yeah. You want to really be able to, and then also there's boundary too. People get really, really um, burnt out in the pet industry because you know, there's 72 people texting you to what color was my dog's poop today? Oh, You're like, gosh. Oh God. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff. And I will tell you that I like the cleaning industry now, now more than, <laughs> and not just cause I'm successful here, like much yeah. more successful. It's just a lot more hands off. And I actually didn't realize until now looking back where I'm like, Holy cow, that took up a huge amount of time in my life and quality of my life. So you start getting these inquiries of, hey, who can come help clean my home? And you said, I can do that. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. What was the time period on that? 2018, November. So I think the website and stuff got a lot. Yeah, because we have that as like our hol our like birthday thing. So it was like November 1st, 2018. And, you know, I think we cleaned like three houses that month. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it was a start, right? But yeah. And friends, it was mainly people being like, oh, yeah, or clients, dog walking clients where they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then cleaning business is all word of mouth, right? And Instagram. So I pushed them there. After a quick break, Sarah and I dig into her love of cleaning and how she grew the Go Clean Co Instagram account in the early days, right after this. Welcome back to Creative Elements. Now, I don't know about you, but cleaning isn't particularly fun for me. I could probably talk for hours about the things I'd rather do than clean. So the idea of building an audience who expects you to be cleaning every day for their entertainment, it's not exactly something I would look forward to. So I asked Sarah if she actually, truly loves to clean. I talk about my mom a lot on Instagram. She's definitely like a clean freak, as we would say. She loves everything clean. But that being said, like my lifestyle growing up as a kid, like it would get really, really dirty and it would drive me crazy. But then we would binge clean and like everybody would clean for the whole entire weekend. And then we would get it would get into a huge mess again, you know, and that like as the type of personality that I am type a it's like I can't do that like my house gets messy I show it all the time but it's to it I have a I have like a threshold that I can cross <laughs> before it before it gets to me and so you, you open this up and, and you figure okay I, I built the dog walking company I can probably do this was the process of sales very similar or did you approach things differently with go clean co than you did with go dog co 
I approach things totally differently. I did everything that I didn't like at Go.co and I, everything that I didn't like at Go.co, I did, I took it and was like, this is how I'm going to do the cleaning company. So we kind of like based it on the model of we're the Amazon prime of cleaning. You can like click a button and we come tomorrow and you don't have to meet up with us to do like, we have lots of people who email and say, can you come and give me a quote? We're like, we don't do that. You fill out the forms online. We identify what you need. We have a system. We only clean one way. You can't change it. This is how we are. And this is how we do it the best that we can do. And then, so they click book, pay. They give us access to their home. We show up, we leave. They don't see us. It's all over and seamless. Kind of like a house elf, right? Like Harry Potter. We have all read that. So I wanted to (laughs) really, and so I didn't want to take up that time of, you know, what suits my life too is not me being away from my family and the evenings meeting all these people and giving them quotes and tire kickers and all of that stuff. It's kind of like, this is what the price point is. Give it, be upfront about it straight up as much as we could and go from there. And honestly, millennial market does not want to waste any time at all meeting people and doing extra things. Like even a phone call is a pain in the ass for them. It's true, right? So, and I am a millennial. I'm allowed to speak like this. I totally understand. I am my target market. I'm 37. I think that's the first, like I'm the first year of millennials. But honestly, this is the market that we were hitting and it worked so well. And it's all about knowing, you know, who you're trying to sell to. So, and it doesn't mean that we're only using millennials as our main client base now, but it was how we targeted them. And then went on all their platforms. I wonder why that is because I'm in that demographic too. And we do very much like, like to self-select things. We don't want to have a face-to-face conversation to get answers. And I wonder if that's a convenience thing or if that like speaks to some sort of embedded cultural disdain for just conversation and social skills. You know, part of me thinks that that's probably like a bad thing. No, I don't think it is because I think that it's convenience. And I think that we're better at managing our time than our parents were. So, and I think that that's it. It's like, well, do I, and my feelings aren't hurt that they don't want to meet the cleaning team. Like I'm like score, like no one, I don't have to pay anybody. It's amazing. I don't have to spend time doing this. Really. Do you need to know who your cleaner is? People, many people will argue the old way that you should. And like, you know, and there are lots of millennials who love the connection and the small business aspect of that. But we have great relationships with people that we've never met ever. So it's all about what what you're selling. And if you can deliver on that, then people like you. How did you grow this in the beginning? What was your strategy for getting clients in the beginning of Go Clean Co? Originally, the plan was like cleaning. And then I always love the Instagram stories from the beginning. Like they worked well for the dog walking company as well, but not this well. Um, And originally I had booked like a coaching call with a pretty well-known someone who owned a million dollar cleaning company. Her name's, uh, it's, she owns Glisten Academy in Edmonton. And she like in five years, she did a million dollars in revenue. So I had booked this thing with her and she had a what's it called? A coaching call just for a couple of hours. And it was really, really valuable. I knew her through a friend of mine and she, you know, said like, use social media, you have to get out there. You have to do all of these things, which I already kind of knew, but I didn't plan this strategy. So originally we were only posting, like I was posting like pretty aesthetically pleasing houses, you know, the same thing you see on everybody's grid. And that got nothing like boring, boring, boring. Right. And, (laughs) And then I started showing like dirt and 
people just started reacting to it and commenting and DMing and asking questions. And then I just started giving away all of the information for free. And then I remember people saying to me, like, you're going to give away all your secrets. And I was like, I don't care. Like you can Google how to clean anything at this point, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm happy to provide our methods. And at least if somebody, the value will be there when their neighbor is asking for a cleaner and they'll be like, Hey, use these people on Instagram. Cause they're always so nice to me and they always help out. And that kind of was the plan. Then it snowballed into, you know, getting kind of ballsy and reaching out to local influencers and being like, hey, I know you guys get paid for posts. Do you want your house clean for free? What's your rates? That's just what I started doing. And honestly, not one influencer has ever said no to us cleaning their house for free. And so to this day, I have spent zero dollars on advertising for this company ever, which like influencer marketing is an say all you want to say about influencers. I'm kind of like, I'm a business owner. And then now I'm an influencer, which is hilarious. Cause I know both sides of the, like, you know, both sides of the pendulum or whatever it is, but I can talk to both points. And honestly, like if I wasn't an influencer and if I didn't know any of this, that was the best possible move I could have ever made for the business because, and it doesn't mean I had to only use big influencers. Like, yeah, it was a score to get someone who had 20,000 followers and go clean their house. But some of them were, you know, 3000 followers, micro, micro, and they had such a trusting following that they sent more business than someone with 20,000 followers. So I didn't underestimate the, like, you know, the value that they had. It cost me money and labor and supplies and everything like that. But in the end, we had to be like, okay, we can only clean three influencers' houses a month because to make it balance out kind of thing. And honestly, it worked so, so, so well. And I made up a contract for them without knowing anything about the influencer world, which is pretty funny. Like I was like, you guys got to do an in-feed post. You have to do five stories. You know, if you are unhappy with any, and I use them as secret shoppers too. So the girls didn't know whose houses they were going to, which was a really smart thing too. So the influencers themselves were secret shoppers. They didn't know if it was an influencer's house. They were just going to clean a random house. And then that was nice to get the feedback from them too, because it was a free clean. But on top of it, they were able to give me some feedback like, hey, they didn't get underneath the couch or whatever. So I used it on like a double-edged sword kind of thing. And man, did it work. Wow. Okay. Well, I want to highlight a couple things here because a lot of people listen to the show, aspiring creators, but a lot of them are also still doing some creative services a lot of the time. And something you pointed to of, well, I'm not giving out my secrets necessarily because you can Google a lot of this. It's also true that even if I wanted to book you to come clean my home in Columbus, Ohio, like you can't really do that but you can serve me in this way if you're providing information. And I think a lot of people out there probably underestimate or overestimate the damage that is done by sharing some of this versus the upside of what can be gained. Yeah, totally. And like, we have this conversation actually on a regular basis in my household because my partner, he's a artist, woodworking carpenter, and he doesn't like showing his methods and stuff online. But I'm like, these guys who show it, like, look at what's going on with them. And I think it's a really good thing to point out. I'm like, no one, I said, I always say to him, like, they have to do it. There's a difference between giving these ideas out, but whether like one out of 70 people is actually going to pull up their socks and try and do what you're going to do, right? Like in all the power too, if you want to open up a cleaning company and use some of our methods, that's no problem. Like more houses will be clean. All the, like, we'll be happy about that. But it's really, truly, honestly, providing value online that they don't have to pay for at the beginning to, you know, engage them and pull them in is one of the best things that you can do. And quality content too, right? It is kind of funny because our stuff isn't, you know, shot HD or whatever it is. It's mostly myself or my staff holding a camera, a phone, a camera phone, but it's still funny. Like it's still great and it comes across well. And I think we have that down home aspect that help that people like. So yeah, I just think that 
you have to really focus on what you want to give away. You don't have to give away everything, but you can also just don't be scared of it. I think you can reach more people by being offering a value for them to click and follow you versus holding back and not providing anything. You need to get them in there. You mentioned that you're doing this influencer marketing and it was working. And then you mentioned that around the pandemic time, you had about 10,000 followers. Were you doing influencer marketing before the pandemic or has that been more recent post pandemic started? No, no, I was doing that to get to the 10,000 followers. So it was like, I think our first influencer claim, we only had 400 followers. And even then I just saw the value of what they were, what an influencer can bring to the table for you. So their followers trust them. And especially for me, it was really important that I had local influencers because like, I can't clean someone's house in Halifax. It has to be someone who lives here and someone who people trust and uh, identified a couple of them that, that way. And then also I liked them. Like I do for a while, like I would find some that I liked, but then I didn't like their message or their brand or what they, what their vibe was, what they were putting. Like, I don't want to be aligned with someone who I'm not actually identifying with. Right. And integrity from an integrity point of view. So a lot of people would, once they got wind, the, cause influencer like in within each city, it's a pretty small group of people. They're all kind of friends with each other. So once you end up breaking into that, then they tell their friends and then some of them would work and some of them wouldn't kind of thing. And then we just kept doing that and we worked out. And I found that one thing I will say is like, we kind of got into a habit of doing biweekly cleans for some of them. And that wasn't value. Like eventually that lost its value. It was almost like overkill. Like they were just talking too much about us. It was more once a month mm. we found worked or once every six weeks. Cause it was just like, they're talking about these cleaners coming to clean their house too often. They can only do it so many times. So I saw your end of year Instagram post and you had in the caption, you said, I ran a very tiny cleaning company in March of 2020 and shut it down with a pretty good hunch that I would not reopen it when the pandemic was over. So help tie together some of the timelines here and what that looked like, what the company looked like up to March and then what the turning point was for you. <laughs> oh, this is good. Okay. So it was the cleaning, owning the cleaning company prior to March of 2020 was a huge pain in the ass. Like it was just the type of company that there it's, you're in the business of complaints because no matter what people, like we had a really good reputation. We had, you know, people, word was spreading. We had 10,000 followers and that was a big deal for Calgary. Like we're like, oh my gosh, we have 10,000 followers. We can swipe up. We can do all this cool stuff. That was a goal. Like I was like, let's just get to 10,000. It will be so amazing if I can get some of that sweet Amazon affiliate money kind of thing, you know? And then in the end, but then the company closed. We closed down for the lockdown. Our lockdown procedures are pretty um, strict. We're pretty strict here. And we just kind of sat back and the Instagram started taking off. And I thought, you know, I don't know if I'm going to reopen it. Maybe I'll just clean online for 10, you know, with my 10,000 followers and try something new. I'm scrappy. Like it pushed me into a wall and I was like, Hey, I have to think of all of these ideas of what I'm going to do so that I can still, you know, pay my mortgage and do all of these, you know, keep my life in order. Cause I, the dog walking company closed at the same time too. Like instantly both my revenues were gone. Like my salary was gone, done. So we already have the cleaning handbook, army handbook in the works because our brand designer, she was very adamant about being like, even at 10,000 followers being like, you need a PDF or something because these people like they're messaging me asking your methods because you can't reply to everybody. So I just thought, okay, pivot, pivot. Everyone was yelling at you to pivot. I'm going to write this book and see what happens. And 
that really, really helped. But again, even going back, like we kept growing. Like one day I went on from, we had 20,000. The next day I had 50,000 followers. Like I woke up in the morning and thought, what happened? Like 30,000 followers. People were just cleaning their houses, buying the handbook, tagging. And even down until reopening, you know, I was still pretty leery about the company doing well itself in the pandemic. Like I thought, I don't know if anyone's going to want us in the house. I laid off a couple of people. I thought, you know, like, let's, Let's really work on what we're doing here and see if we can do it. And I kept thinking, like, if worse comes to worse, I can just clean and Instagram it. I can just clean and Instagram it. But one, I'm very well aware now that was coming from fear and I was scared of what was going to happen. But now I know that like the cleaning company can't exist without the Instagram. They're very intertwined. They don't have to be huge. One of them doesn't have like the cleaning company itself doesn't have to be, you know, a hundred employees or whatever it is, or a franchise. I just know that a main component of my cleaning company and my staff is like part of their training is content creation. It's not just scrubbing houses. So that's a thing that I had to kind of twist and turn and kind of readapt to when we, or adapt to when we reopened. Yeah. And like my whole family was like, why are you reopening this company? You, it's all you could, you're like, I cry a lot. <laughs> and I was, I cried a lot. I would drive home at the end of the day and like do my calculate. Every entrepreneur does it. I was like, Hey, she was paid her 20 bucks an hour. I paid this, the calculations, the mat, you know, my gas, everybody's mileage, this, that. And I'd be like, and my mom would be with me and she'd be like, so you didn't get paid today. She's like, you didn't get paid even 18 bucks. Like she's, I was like, Nope. Nope, nope, I didn't get paid, but I'm still going to do it because I just had this feeling that something's going to work. And that was before we closed down. And I just had this really big gut feeling that was this was the path to what I always wanted to do was create something really great. And I didn't give up. I remember my stepdad saying like, Sarah, why are you doing this? Like it's seven o'clock in the morning. Why? Uh, I was picking my mom up to come with me. She was like, you don't have to pay me today. Like there was all of these elements. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you get it, man. It's so hard, but you keep going. In that season of like struggle where you're doing the calculations and you're paying your cleaners and you can't pay yourself that day. How did you think about prioritizing the actual in the house cleaning that you were doing versus influencer outreach versus posting to your own social media? Like how did you prioritize those different aspects of where you're spending your time as the business owner? I quickly learned that if we weren't posting on Instagram stories, we weren't getting bookings. They were like very, very closely related. I remember having a staff meeting with my staff and being like, they weren't sending videos. I ended up writing that into their contracts saying like, okay, you guys know that if we aren't posting on Instagram, we don't have these pictures and we don't have the videos and stuff. It's stopping people from booking us. And it honestly was like direct correlation. Like it would just like line up, I would know. And then I did find too that if we had someone who canceled like last minute or within the, you know, 48 hour window, I would be able to slot, like just throw it up on Instagram be like, Hey guys, we have an opening for, you know, 20% off tomorrow. If you could, instead of my paying my staff three hours not to work, right? Like that's what our labor laws are here. So I would throw it up and say, Hey, like we have an opening tomorrow, 20% off. It would just be instantly gone. Like you have a, you've created a core group of people who are like essentially just your customer base, right? So you know, when I was able to do that, that really helped too. But I found that the more I posted, and even today, like the more I post, it's such a different world now, but the more I post, the you know, more handbooks we sell, the more it, it's all relative. If I go quiet for a little while, you know, two days, you know, sales go down. It's very interesting. So it's the same thing. You just have to put that reliable, consistent, message out there that you're there and you're providing value to people. When we come back, Sarah and I talk about Go Clean Co's quick growth on Instagram 
and why she'll continue to build a cleaning business despite GoCleanCo's online success. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to my conversation with Sarah McAllister of GoCleanCo. A moment ago, when Sarah was talking about the scrappy beginnings of her company, she mentioned that the GoCleanCo Instagram and cleaning business were very intertwined. She even said they couldn't exist without each other. With an Instagram account of nearly 2 million followers, a digital storefront, and countless affiliate income opportunities, I wondered why the cleaning company, a business that requires a full staff, was necessary for her digital business. Because one of the main things about the content that we create and we're putting out there is that we have variety. So I have like, especially now that I realize how important the actual Instagram is and, you know, most people like who's a content creator, who's an influencer are going to say like, your brain gets fried and you think like, what am I going to put out there today? And that's why you see influencers like, I don't know what to talk about or kind of thing. Whereas me, I have an, I have too much content. There's the step. My staff is always filming. We have a minimum requirement of five uh, vids or slides a day. That's how it works. And then, you know, we get, we follow up with you if you aren't doing your before and afters and that kind of a thing. And then plus throw in my personality and what I do at my house. Like right now we've been home for like eight weeks or sorry, six or seven weeks. And it's just been me cleaning my house and it gets a little bit like, I don't want it to get boring. So I'm trying to mix it in there with some of my archive stuff that my staff has put together. Like then I get to see like a stainless steel fridge. Then we get to see a, you know, mm-hmm. gas range stove mm-hmm. an electric range stove, hardwood floors. We're showing, it's like I have this smorgasbord of what I can pick from. I can, I think, okay, I haven't showed anyone how to clean this tile. I haven't showed them how to do travertine. There's so many things and it just endless content to put out there, which is a, that's just a dream. And you're getting paid to create it. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. It's just like some days it's, and still some days your brain is like fried and you think like, what am I going to put up there? I keep talking about blinds or whatever it is. But in the end, people love to see dirty to clean no matter what all the time. So mm-hmm. do clients have to sign a type of like release for you to do that? Yeah, uh, we've had that from the very beginning. Um, so uh, we just have like a disclaimer on their booking that says, you know, we use clever Instagram marketing to, you know, get our name out there. If you don't want to be shared on the online, let us know, basically. Okay. And then they and then they can opt out at any, like they can opt out. And then they were, and now it's like, they get pissed if they're not online. Like they're like, where was my house? And I'm always like, you're two weeks, like reminder, just so you know, just cause we're at your house today doesn't mean it's, it's sometimes oh, wow. it gets posted like four or five days later or something, but now they want to see it or, and we're just pretty careful. You know, we try not to post anything personal or any pictures of kids or anything like that. I'm very mindful. That's why you guys see like sometimes the writing is walking stuff or, you know, or gifts or whatever that's out there. And yeah, they do. But honestly, it's, I'm going to say like 1% of people opt out. And it's usually people who are like publicly known, if that makes sense. So they're kind of like, I don't want anyone in my head. They don't need to see my house. So Mm -hmm. let's zoom into this moment where you said you start waking up and you had 20,000 followers and then 50,000 new followers. Help me understand that. Like what, what do you attribute that to? (laughs) Help me understand it. It was honestly, it was, I just found that I already had my voice and my I guess the, like my, my team would call it the brand down pat, right? So I didn't change anything about who I was. It was just a matter of I knew with the pandemic that, you know, what was coming from, there was a lot of noise from my followers at that point saying like, I don't, I need to use bleach and I never bought it and please help me. And all of, so it ends up being really a lot of the same stuff 
like once you go through all of your DMs, they're asking the same questions. So I just kind of was like, all right, I'm going to show you guys how to make hand sanitizer wipes out of baby wipes or hands like throw some rubbing alcohol and some baby wipes. That's going to help you because nobody can buy Lysol. Um, here, we're going to bleach our houses. And I always referred to the CDC website, which because I, you know, I don't like to put false information out there. So kind of, you know, lining everything up the way that it needed to be. And it just spread like wildfire. It honestly did. And I think it has a little bit to do too with the fact that I shoot stuff straight. Like I think a lot of people are very used to being, having kind of like Instagram is a little bit more of people being like very thankful or I shouldn't say thankful. I'm very thankful of the followers. I mean, like people a little bit more like butt kissy, like it's kind of like, oh, perfect and uplifting and all these things. Meanwhile, I'm kind of like you, we call you dirty bastards because you are, things are filthy. You guys need to get to work to get your lives together. And I'm, I don't really hold back on that part of it because I feel like that's how my mom talked to me. And that's the only way I got up and back in my bedroom when I was 16. So <laughs> guess what? It's going to work. And it worked for everybody. So it kind of snowballed from there. And the handbook really did well because even though we really, I think we released it when we had about 20 or 30,000 followers, but once people started buying it, then they used the methods, then they shared the methods. And there was nothing in the handbook that said like, please tag us or anything like that. They were just blown away with how much we've simplified things and made it efficient for you so that it's, you're not so overwhelmed when you go into the cleaning aisle and you don't know what to buy, you know? So we just really dialed it down for everybody to make it as simple as possible. And when I wrote that handbook, it was just a huge brain dump and there was way too much information. I had to shave it down a lot. I was like telling people how to open up a whole entire business. My friend was like, this is not a franchise manual. It's a how to clean your kitchen manual kind of thing. I want to cut in here and talk about this handbook. Sarah actually has three handbooks, the cleaning army handbook, the laundry guide, and RV edition. What's so fascinating to me about these handbooks is that the information in them is easy to share from person to person. And recently, Go Clean Co. created a Facebook community so that their followers could, in fact, help each other. And as Mallory will tell you, it's pretty great. If I don't know how to clean something, I'll post about it in the Facebook group and like within 10 minutes, I've got an answer. But inside this community, Sarah's audience is so supportive of Go Clean Co. that they'll often encourage people to buy the handbook to support the business instead of giving them the answers inside the handbook. Yeah. And you know what? I'm so surprised. And I totally, you know, my faith in humanity has been so heartwarmed because honestly, we're pretty open about the fact of what's in the handbook. Like the handbook is the recipes, the method. I share all of that information on the highlights. You can go and watch, you know, 10 hours of highlights if you want, basically. And it's all there. And I don't hold back any of that information. But if you want it all condensed into like 11 pages where you can just open up your phone and clean and go from there. And then also just the fact that so many people were like, I knew how to do it, but I bought it to support you guys. It was so incredible to hear that because we've offered so much value. And honestly, I just, I, I'm, forever shocked every single day about how loyal everyone is and how amazing they are and supportive and to the it just it blows my mind like when I you know I came out of my hiding because no one really knew what I looked like on that you know, New Year's post kind of thing and that's I really meant it from the bottom of my heart like thank you, you guys have changed my lives it's incredible yeah let's talk about let's talk about that you, you're very behind camera like it's your voice it's your actions but you are rarely seen on camera how much of that was an intentional decision because you thought that's what the brand needed versus like a personal preference? How did that come about? It kind of became the bigger we got 
Originally, it was like no one was ever going to find out who I was, <laughs> but not at the beginning. It didn't matter when he had like five or six thousand followers. It didn't. I was like, I don't care if anyone sees me on there. Uh, but I did find that talking face cam didn't work. Like it didn't make any sense. It was like they're there to see the scrubbing. And why do they need to see my face? And which is goes against every little online course I've ever taken, like show who's behind the brand, show they want to see your real life. They want to see your family and all of that. But I just, for some, it didn't work for us. And I, I wouldn't even say I've really trialed it. I just found that like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I was showing my hands. I was talking people through things. I didn't see the need to ever really show to flip the camera around and talk to people about cleaning their stove because they need to look at the stove while they're cleaning it. And then it kind of became, you know, the bigger that we got, the more I was like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this an anonymous, like, factor of it for a little as long as I possibly can but we do have some big stuff rolling out in 2021 and it's it's not possible anymore which is really cool but at the same time it's kind of like hey this is who I am you still haven't seen me since I've I haven't flipped around and talked to people besides like when we hit a million followers and I don't think that it's necessary to for for what I'm doing it's different for other people but for what I'm doing and offering right now I don't feel like it's necessary like people recognize me at Starbucks from what my hands I'm not even joking like my oh ring my that I wear someone came up to me and said are you Sarah and I thought what how would you know that and she's like from your ring I and your nails like I saw your nail I'm like oh my goodness it's hilarious so anyways oh yeah mm -hmm. so for people listening to this that are saying I know I need to tweak how I'm doing Instagram I need to take Instagram more seriously what are some of the the top rules that you have for your own Instagram and how you use it that someone else might be able to learn from for their own business I actually don't adhere to a lot of those Instagram rules, you know, that are like post two times a day and, um, you know, certain at the high times and you have to reply to every single comment. It's impossible for me to do it at the scale that we are now. But my top rules are just like consistent, valuable content, be yourself. And I know that sounds cliche or whatever, but honestly, I know that online can be a little bit scary, especially this year. It's hard to speak who you, to who you are and not censor and do all of those things that everyone tells you to do. I am laser focused on what the brand is. So I do not step outside of what we are. I get offers all the time for lipstick and beauty products. It doesn't happen. I'm like, what am I going to do? Ram it into my couch and scrub it out. Like it doesn't make sense to me. Right. <laughs> and so, and it's easy to, it'd be really easy to sell out and kind of show and change. And I have, there's a lot of other big cleaning influencers who kind of, you know, go, go this way and go that way. Like, you know, the most off brand I've done is posted a picture of a Sweet Valley High book that I ordered, like, cause I was cleaning out my kitchen or my closet kind of thing. And that to me is off brand because it's supposed to be cleaning. And I focus, focus, focus on that. And I stay in my lane. I don't, I think because also from the beginning, you know, this happened really fast for me and I was scrubbing toilets five days a week in March of 2020 that I don't forget how hard it is like reality. You know, I don't feel like this is really reality right now, <laughs> which is, and I think that's fair to say this is a dream life and it's pretty cool that this happened, but I knew, I knew how hard it was to make 500 bucks profit at the end of the month, six months ago, guys. So it's very, it's a totally different world for me and I'm thankful for it. But yeah, my top thing would be be yourself, really focus on what your brand is. I will say I don't necessarily really like family on business pages. That's one of my thing that I just really, it irks me a little bit. And I also don't do it. It's kind of like, and one of my friends I originally had said to me with the dog walking company, like, she's like, why are you putting like the dogs on your personal and not like dividing those and ever, and she was 
she was, isn't even a mark in marketing. And I remember taking that to heart and being like, she's right. Like it should all be kind of divided and make sure that you have a boundary there. That's a big thing for me. I think just focus on what you're actually doing and try not to hit. So, and you know, you don't have to hit every single hot topic for the day, you know, stick to what, you know, it seems like you really, really prioritize stories versus on the grid. Uh, I don't know how much you do with like IGTV, but tell me for someone who's kind of new to the Instagram game, how do you think about those different elements within the platform? I still hands down stories are always my go-to. I'm not a big grid person. Like, you know, a couple of weeks can go by before I post something. They look like everyone likes it. Don't get me wrong, but I do find that I can get a little bit, I get more engagement from the stories and that's just how it's always worked for us. I would say to, I haven't ever done an IGTV ever. (laughs) If you asked me to do one, I probably wouldn't be able to. Reels are really good of getting yourself in front of like a new audience. I do find that real people can be a little bit mean, like for some, because you're getting in front of new audiences, you get a little bit more trolls and a little bit more of like, you know, whatever cat comments, which I think are funny. They don't really, I have pretty thick skin. And at this point, With the growth that you've seen, you know, as of recording, you have 1.6 million followers on Instagram right now. How do you think about your business differently? Like what, how are you structuring things differently? What do you think in more longer term? Because this probably wasn't what you expected when you started cleaning houses, you know, a year ago. No, we didn't. This was far from what the plan was, but we've totally, you know, pivot is the big word for 2020. We've done that. I have an online team right now of like five full-time people. And then I have a cleaning staff of 20, like it's big. And we didn't ever expect to be this big, but we're now looking at like the idea of what we can do online as opposed to what we can do on the ground. So we have such a like 70% of my following is American. So that's a big thing. And even though we're a Canadian company, right? So we're focusing on how we can grow and we love digital products. <laughs> Who doesn't love a digital product net? You know, they're pretty they're cool. Great. Yeah. And so offering a little bit more, we are wrapping our head around 2021 and what we're going to be offering. There's a lot of talk about franchising and I'm not a big fan of the franchise model. I'm a fan of teaching people what we do and figuring out how to spread the Go Clean Co brand internationally. So we're going to, and we're focusing on that, but also everyone's at home right now. So we have to think about that. Things like this can't be in person anymore. The world is changing, but I think it's a cool way it's changing and how things are offered. A little bit earlier, you mentioned Amazon affiliates with the swipe up on your story and everything. And I've, I've heard that you've sold Amazon out of some of the products that you've recommended. How much does that play into how you think about what you recommend? Yeah, um, the, you have to like click down. I won't post something that has like five in stock. It has to have a certain amount. That's something that I never, ever would have ever thought. And I spoke to some pretty well-known like influencers in the States. And they said, you know, one of my biggest problems is not have places not having deep stock. And I thought like, what? And then, nope, it's a, it's a serious thing. And that goes with our sponsorships too, right? Yeah, we just, we have a sponsorship coming up soon and they didn't have very much stock. And we were like, mm, like, it's not, it's not beneficial to do this unless you're totally loaded with the warehouse kind of thing. So it's a cool thing to, and people get mad. They're like, oh my gosh, two hours later, and this is totally sold out. And I'll try to find another link. I'm not a big fan of uh, like we have the links to the Amazon stores on on the site. I don't like over swiping. Um, I just find I don't like it to be a billboard constantly push, 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 sell, 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 which is great. People still shop the links and everything like that, but or they ask for them. And we, you know, it's just a matter of really 
Again, focusing on the brand. I'm not a catalog. I'm here to teach you guys this. And then please shop the links. If you're going to buy a vacuum, please go and find them if you can. That's, that's really the message that we've put out. You launched a, a Facebook group fairly recently. And I, I'm sure that came with a lot of decision making, like just thinking about it. So how are you thinking about community as far as Go Clean goes, Go Clean Go goes for the next forever? Yeah, we've had a little bit, um, my American, this ties in well, um, my American Amazon store at the moment is currently down. We're having a little bit of issues with Amazon, which gave me a huge scare because of the fact that they're pretty powerful and Instagram's pretty powerful and you can lose this stuff pretty quick. So, and then that, so then we, I was like, hey, Pinterest, Facebook, TikTok, we have 50,000 followers, I think, over on TikTok, which I don't utilize enough. I know that. It's kind of one of those like blocks of like, okay, I did good for two weeks on it. Now I'm like, eh, whatever. But we're trying to kind of move everybody so that our email list grows, all of these things, so that if one thing crashes with one social network, we aren't going to lose, you know, all everybody and we still have the contacts. That's a big thing too. So try to get them all across all platforms. But the Facebook page was, I was pretty resistant to it because I knew how much work it was going to be. And it ended up having to turn into like an official fan club because we did not expect it to just like explode the way that it did. I could literally have probably 50 full-time staff managing that thing all day long. So it's just, it's, and being careful and mindful of the fact that people aren't, you know, what the liability is and what kind of advice they're giving each other. So we kind of had to make it an official fan club as opposed to we run everything. So, cause it was just too much for us. It was too much to handle. And there's like, I think there's like 70,000 people over there. So it's totally different than Instagram because they're more able to interact with each other, which is such a great community feel. They love it. I creep on there all the time and like watch the posts. It's hilarious. So, (laughs) Well, I'm I'm so inspired by your story and so impressed by how you've grabbed hold of this growth and continue to grow along with it. You know, I, I could see where it could be really, really intimidating to hire more staff and continue to lead as a leader and not just be on the ground every day. If there's anything that I didn't ask that you think is really, really important for aspiring creators or business owners listening to the show, this would be the time. That was a great little segue because honestly, the one thing that I've spent so, and I said this at the beginning, I'm really operational and I'm on the ground and I like to do, I like that. Like I, I like to be, I'd much rather be working, like physically working like a little bit more labor intensive than sitting at my computer all day. They, my staff, my team knows that about me. So my thing with this is that with Go Clean Co exploding as fast as it did, I was absolutely forced to hire people to do their jobs that I could not do. And normally it takes me like six months to wrap my head around bringing somebody on, on a salary or on, you know, it just, the responsibility and everything to me is like very heavy. And with this, it was like, I just was hiring people left, right and center. I was you know, doing the whole entire process and onboarding and doing that. But right now, even like we're looking for a social media manager and it's kind of like, it's like, I know this person is going to bring so much value, but till you stand in those shoes and you think like it's coming at me like a freight train, I had to make all these very quick decisions. And it was the best decision ever because now I'm like, I just think in my head, like hire them. They're smart. They're just going to make you more money. They're the best decision you're ever going to make and let them be free. And that was a really very difficult lesson for me to learn, but it was the best lesson ever. Cause I, it was 15 years of me doing everything at go dog, like walking dogs, doing the books, doing everything. And 
you know, point of contact, every single absolute to the bottom thing I did and I had my fingers in it all. And now it's like, I'm a little more hands off and this baby is just growing and growing at an amazing rate. And that's because I'm able to sit back and trust what the people that I've hired. So I know it's not always feasible as an entrepreneur to hire someone and it's really, really scary, but the first time you do it, it feels so good. And then, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, it's okay. That's a big thing to remind yourself, you know, you're in control of everything. Well, I can't say that I'm more interested in cleaning after this interview, but I'm certainly more interested in building a community on Instagram. Sarah's approach is so fascinating to me, starting with micro-influencers, focusing almost solely on stories instead of the grid or reels, doing it all from behind the camera. I don't think you'll find many giant Instagram accounts that put their star behind the camera, and I don't know if anyone would actually recommend it. But for Sarah, it works. She knows her audience and she knows what they want from her content. Sarah is yet another example of the content being her true self, delivering a ton of value and finding success because of it. You can learn more about Sarah on Instagram at GoCleanCo or BleachPrayLove.com. Thanks to Sarah for being on the show. Thank you to Emily Klaus for making the artwork for this episode. Thanks to Nathan Todd Hunter for mixing the show and Brian Steele for creating our music. Thanks to Mallory for letting me air that audio. And if you like this episode, you can tweet at jklaus and let me know. If you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. The Podglomerate. Sonic Universe.